welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Stay upstairs. You want to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We are beginning a sermon series leading up to and through Easter on Jesus. This is the time of the year that a lot of people are thinking about Easter, thinking about the crucifixion, thinking about the resurrection. They're thinking about Jesus. So we're going to be looking at Jesus' last week and the events surrounding and leading up to his crucifixion and resurrection. And we're going to come to a, a section of Scripture today. It's one that we've heard this story many times, but we really don't know what to do with it. It's the woman in the alabaster jar. Now, I'll give you some background information before we read it. But this is what the story would be like. Let's just say I came over to dinner at one of your homes, and it was quite a few folks were over there. And there was a large table, and there was a, a lady there, and I'm sitting there at the head of the table. And this lady comes up, and the different accounts of this story in one of them in Mark's account it says she had an alabaster jar and she broke it this is similar to an alabaster jar it's exactly not an alabaster jar but as close as I could find so she broke this jar <coughs> she pours it okay we're all sitting at a table she pours it over his head and then actually in in John's account and in Luke's account because this account is found in all four of the gospels it says she then poured it on his feet and started wiping his feet with her hair. Now, folks, if we were sitting at dinner and a, and a woman starts pouring oil all over my head and all over my feet, and starts, that would be weird. Like, I would say, that's not normal. That doesn't quite fit with how we dine here in 2022. People would raise an eyebrow as thinking, what on earth is going on at this person's house? I thought they were a little strange, but not this strange. I mean, this is it's just a, a different time. So um, this was 2,000 years ago, obviously, when this occurred. Back then, they did not bathe like they do today, so it was very common for people always have dust and dirt all over you. So this lady is doing this, and the home she's doing it in, we're going to see this, is not even her home. And then we're also going to see, who is this lady? Well, John's account, in John chapter 12, John reveals us who this lady is. Her name is Mary, not Mary the mother of Jesus. This is Mary, the sister of Martha. Remember Martha? She's the lady that likes to clean houses. She's always doing a spring cleaning, and Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet. That's who these people are. Also, it's important who these folks are. They had a brother named Lazarus who died. What did Jesus do on day four? He brought the, Lazarus out of the grave. So this whole context is unusual because the raising of Lazarus occurred in John chapter 11, John chapter 12, Mary, who's Lazarus' sister, is pouring this expensive perfume all over Jesus' head and his feet and cleaning them. What was the location of this occurring? This wasn't in nice, clean Martha's house. This was actually in a leper's house. So they were apparently at this Pharisee's house named Simon the leper. 
Now, we don't know if he had leper, leprosy. Maybe their family members had leprosy years ago, or maybe he had it and was healed of it. We don't really know. Uh, apparently, at some point, maybe if you ever have leprosy, or it's like, it's like calling me Daniel with COVID. You know, we hear about, remember we did our survey, 70% of this crowd has had COVID. It's like once you get COVID, it just stays with you forever. So this poor man named Simon, his identity, identity is called Simon the leper. And they were at this guy's house, and Mary somehow slipped in, and she's dumping oil all over Jesus. It's just, it's just odd for our context. It's like everything's, everything's different. But the point of this message is we want to answer a couple of questions. Number one, why did God choose to include this in the Bible? And secondly, why did Mary do it? Why did this woman do this? And thirdly, why or what does this mean for us today? Like, how do we live this out? Because this is recorded in all four Gospels. And I believe if God put it in the Bible, he put it in there for us. There's a reason for us to know this. So, all right, that's where we're at. Matthew chapter 26, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he told his disciples, you know that the Passover takes place after two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. His disciples did not understand that. That entire statement was missed by them. They had no clue what he's talking about. They looked at Jesus who just raised Lazarus from the dead. They looked at Jesus as a healer. How could Jesus die when he's raising other people from the dead and when he can heal people? So the context for understanding that statement that he's going to be crucified, they missed. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the courtyard of the high priest, who was named Cyphus. They conspired to arrest Jesus in a treacherous way and kill him. Not during the festival, that's the Passover festival, they said, so there won't be rioting among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany, Bethany is a little town right next to Jerusalem, because this is Jesus' last week on earth. He's at the house of Simon the leper. Poor man, he got sick and it stays with him forever. A woman approached him, with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. This, is, this cost a fortune, this perfume. The Bible says in other accounts of the story that it was worth 300 denarii. That's roughly one year's salary. This is a lot of money, thousands of dollars. This is this woman's wealth. So let's answer the first question. Why did Mary do this? And I think the clue to that answer is she had just witnessed her brother, who was dead, come back to life. And Jesus is in her hometown. That's why he was in Bethany. And she wanted to show her appreciation. She wanted to express extravagant love and thankfulness to her Savior, for raising her son. This is a phenomenal event that occurred. So I think that's our why. Why she do it? She's thankful. Folks, we should be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. We should be thankful for our salvation. We should be thankful that Jesus is our Savior, that we are going to heaven, that we have a confidence that that is our, that is our home if you're saved. 
So it says there, she poured it on his head while he was reclining at the table. So she's pouring this oil, this perfume on his head. And he's sitting at the table. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant. They got mad. They were upset with the situation. Why this waste? Why this waste? What a statement they made there. This past week, I went and bought gas. In fact, I had to buy gas for my car and Sherry's car. She doesn't buy gas. This always falls to me. What other men here buy your wives gas? Raphael, how long has it been since you past clients bought gas? Oh, two weeks. Oh, oh no, I meant how long is it last time Pascaline pumped gas? Two years. It's probably been that long for Miss Osmond with that. So, with a, so if we're going to buy gas, I'm the one buying it. And I'm the type of guy, when you're buying gas and the little machine cuts off, you know what that means. You can squeeze another two or three or four gallons in there. It's called topping off because, you know, if you've got to hurry up and put it in there because next week is going to be 50 cents more. It's only going up. Gas does not go down. It only goes up. And this week I was buying the gas, and I, I wanted to squeeze every drop I could. And I put too much, and then it starts spewing out. You know, it, it overflows and does a. I thought, oh, no. That's liquid gold falling on the ground. Liquid gold fell to the ground. That's what gas is today. That stuff is valuable. That is a waste. Because once it falls on the ground, I, I've lost it. That's, a, that's an example of wasting gas. When I was a young man, I would, uh, grow, I would come to the table, and my, my mother would put the plate there, and if I didn't like the food, I would gripe and complain. And she would you know, tell me that, hey, this, is, this food is being wasted if you don't eat it. And then she would always make the comment, of course, she says, you know, Daniel, there are starving children in Africa that are dying for food, and you have an opportunity to eat this. Did anybody else, any other mothers tell you that when you were growing up? There were starving children in Africa dying for food, and that's why you need, that's your motivation for eating your meal right there. And I, I one time told her, I said, well, Mom, why don't you box it up and mail it to Africa? That way they could, I was smart out doing that. But there's this idea that when something you don't, when you don't eat your food and it gets thrown away, when you, when you can't cry over spilt milk is another adage, when you spill gas trying to top it out, it's just wasted. Like there's nothing you can do with this. And the disciples, they looked at Jesus. And they said, Jesus, this woman wasted this perfume. That is valuable stuff right there. Why would they do stuff? Why would this lady do this? And I, and I want to well, answer the question, because Jesus is going to take what is wasteful to his disciples and make it very honorable and noble. Jesus takes what we consider throwaway waste and does something great with it. So that's where we're going with this. And they said, this might have been sold for a great deal and given to the poor. And you know, Anytime you want to scold someone for wasting, you can always say, you know, we could have sold this and gave the money to the poor. Have you ever felt like when you're giving something to good, way to goodwill or, 
and you're, you sold something to yard sale and you thought it was going to go for $10 and it sells for a quarter, you thought, man, I just could have sold this on eBay. I'm just, I could have got more out of this. And, and even gave the money away, gave, gave it to Annie Armstrong, something. They just, they felt we could have done more. Someone else could have benefited from what you're trying to do, ma'am, with this perfume. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? Jesus takes up for her. He sees the so-called waste. He's got to address this question. She's now, based on the other accounts of the story, at his feet, cleaning his feet with her hair. Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. The Bible tells us there will always be poor folks with us. As much as you might love socialism and communism, if you do love them, which tells us we can get rid of the poor, the Bible says no, there will always be people with less. There's always ministry to the poor. But Jesus goes on to say, but you will not always have me. Meaning the door's going to be closed with this opportunity with me. Meaning this is the last time Jesus is passing through Bethany. He's headed to Jerusalem. He says, guys, this woman, this is all she had, her little alabaster jar, and she took it and she invested in me. I'm not ever again coming to Bethany. And I want to tell you, for us, God brings you here to this worship service. We do not know what our future has. If God is stirring and moving in your heart, and maybe he's convicting you of sin, that statement, but you do not always have me. We cannot take for granted the movement of God in our life today that it will always be there tomorrow. I want to tell you what sin does. Sin hardens you to the gospel. When you've been hardened by sin, you, over time, you keep telling God, no, 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 no. Eventually, you know what happens? You find yourself an elderly man, an elderly woman, and you have grown a hardened heart towards the Lord. Jesus wanted her to know, and this, these folks at the table, folks, y'all don't know what you're talking about. They just assumed Jesus was always going to be with them, that everything was going to go fine. And that's even after Jesus told them he was going to get crucified. He even told them he was going to die. And they still didn't understand. The door, the window, and many times for our life of responding to God, getting saved, getting baptized, teaching your children or your grandchildren about the Lord, at some point, it closes. By pouring this perfume on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're telling this story of Mary, who broke and anointed with her alabaster jar of Jesus and preparing him for his burial. Verse 14, now look at the shift here. We're going to see a contrast. Mary is being accused of being wasteful with her 300 denarii alabaster jar of perfume. One year's wages. 
Now we're about to see a picture of Judas. Judas is about to sell Jesus, betray Jesus for 30 silver coins. Such a little amount. She was wasteful, and all he could get was 30 little coins. He was getting money for Jesus, and she was wasting what she had on Jesus. There's a difference. Look what happens here. Then one of the twelve, a man called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand them over to you? So they weighed out, look at this, 30 pieces of silver for him. And from that time on, he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. That's all he was able to get. 30 pieces of silver. So we look at the story here. What does this woman, Mary, teach us? She teaches us a couple of things. Because this is what, I want to answer that question. Why did God include this story in the Bible? If God puts it in Scripture, there's a reason why. And I believe the reason why he wants us to remember this is because Mary, this woman, honored Jesus. She honored Jesus. Say, so what do you mean she honored Jesus? What does that mean today? Honoring Jesus is when we speak up on behalf and we witness and we have a bold faith, a bold voice for Jesus today. I'll give you a perfect example. This is something I regularly do. I hope I regularly do this. I hope you're able to do this too. The third commandment tells us that we should not use the Lord's name in vain. Folks, everywhere you go today, we hear the Lord's name in vain used. Did y'all know that? You go anywhere. Do you ever speak up? Do you ever say, sir? I, I appreciate if you don't use that type of language. Say, ma'am, if you don't mind, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and that, that's offensive to the Lord. you talking like that. Now, you have to be very cautious when you say this, because you won't you don't want to come across as holier than thou. But at the same time, you, I believe if you say something with the right tone in an appropriate manner, you can actually be kind while doing it and let someone else know that you appreciate if they don't use the Lord's name in vain. Now I want to tell you, when you do that, two things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to step back and go, whoa, I, I'm sorry, I didn't even realize. I cannot tell you how many times people will say, I didn't even realize I was saying that. Just part of their language. And they're respectful to you. They're taken aback. The second response, they're going to start mocking you. And they're saying, I, I, you know, sir, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I don't know if that will happen. They just kind of blow you off somewhat saying that. But I think on our behalf as believers, when we are in a situation when you have an opportunity to speak up, when the Lord's name, the third commandment, is being broken, that's an opportunity to honor the Lord, if you do it in a kind, non-judgmental way. And it's possible to do that. That's how we can live this out today. That's how you can honor the Lord. Folks, if you're sitting there watching TV, and you know, that word's being used, Lord's name's being dishonored over and over again, Ask if you can change the channel. Say, I don't want to watch this show. I don't want to watch this movie. This isn't for me. That 
is an opportunity that we can say, I'm going to try my best to follow the Lord in this situation. And you're publicly honoring God. I want to tell you another way you can honor the Lord. You can honor the Lord with your family. You know, I think, really think one of the greatest things any parent can say, you know, I have four children. I've got, what, three in children's church, one up there, two boys, two little girls. One day I'm going to die, Miss Osmond's going to die, and we're going to be in heaven with Jesus. We're saved. We know the Lord. And these little children of mine, they're going to grow up. And mom and dad are going to be gone. What an honorable thing for these little people who used to sit on the front row right there to say, my mom and dad, they might not have been perfect, but they taught me about Jesus. They brought me to church. They taught me this book. They instructed me how to be saved. I believe one of the greatest things you can do as a parent or as a grandparent, to honor the Lord, this is what you're doing, you're not honoring your family, you're honoring the Lord, is to help your immediate family, the people that live in your house, know about Jesus. If there are folks that live in your home that do not know the Lord, that is an opportunity for you to honor Him. How noble is it? I mean, I think about my mom and dad. They taught me about the Lord. I'm here because my parents raised me in church. They bought me a Bible. They drug me to Sunday school. I was in youth group. I went to VBS. I grew up learning about the Lord. That is an honorable, commendable thing for any parent today. Because listen, I've said it before. They aren't going to no, outside of outside of church and outside of your home, your family will not learn the Scriptures. They won't. Where else would they learn at? Who else is going to teach them? It is our responsibility. Evangelism, outreach, missions, it begins in your home, right there. And that's how we honor the Lord. So I believe Jesus included this story of showing us an example. He's what, what they called waste. Jesus used the word in verse 10. It's actually a noble thing to do. Anything you do for the Lord, anytime you speak up for the Lord, anytime you share scripture with someone, anytime you invite someone to church, anytime you're extravagant with your generosity towards Jesus, the Bible says that is a noble thing. So answering that question, why is this in the Bible? I believe God he wants us to honor Him. That's, and the way we do it is we speak up on His behalf and we tell people we know about Jesus. If you know of a lost person, you know someone who's not saved, the noblest and best thing you can ever do is say, Brother, I want to teach you. I want to share with you, sister, how you can know the Lord. A one-on-one gospel conversation. That's what Jesus is asking of you this morning. Secondly, what else, what else do we see here? Why is it in the Bible? She wasn't forgotten. If you look at that verse there, verse 13, Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the entire world, what she has done will also be told 
in memory of her. She was not forgotten. Her legacy remains today, 2,000 years later. In fact, we only by John's account do we even know her name. When we do something for the Lord, we're not doing it for her, our credit, or Mary's not doing it for her credit here. We're doing it so Jesus receives all the glory. You know, all of us want to have a legacy. And our greatest legacy is we have invested spiritually in other people. Do you know, I've been watching the news this week. I know along with you. And one of the most horrible things happened this week. I'm going to say the name of the town. Maripool, Ukraine. It's near the Black Sea. Folks, it's devastating. That city is gone. There's nothing left. At one point, this city, just a few weeks ago, had over 400,000 people living there. Now the city has been demolished. And the, the deaths were so much. They said the, the body count they could find was 1,300 of their citizens had died. Now, most of them fled. They said there's so many dead people. The undertakers couldn't even bury them individually. They actually dug a mass, big pile, just a big dirt pit, and put the bodies in a mass grave and buried them this week because there were so many deceased people. Horrible situation. The folks don't even get a proper burial over there. Whereas three weeks ago, three weeks ago, this was a vibrant, thriving community. Now it is literally a mass graveyard in Maribel, Ukraine. And many of those folks, the memory of their city, the memory of their community and their families is gone. And Jesus is telling us the greatest memory we can have, that someone can have of us, is that that man my mother, my father, my grandfather, he invested in me by teaching me about Jesus. We want memories that are eternal. Our investments should be eternal. That's why we pray and we give to the, the video I showed of the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We need new churches among the Arabic people in Cincinnati and Mr. Amar there, Amar, he's planting a church among people, like he said he came from Jordan over here. He came over here, and the people do not know the Lord, and he's working and witnessing among them that speak Arabic. Because God has brought them to Cincinnati, and we financially give to help pay for that work up there. We are investing eternally in the kingdom. And you don't even many ways realize it. We want to be a part of something that's bigger than what we are right now. And our memories should not be one of just the temporary. Folks, God is looking for the eternal. We make eternal investments. We don't want to be forgotten. We don't want to find our lives counting for nothing. You want to do something that has it has a lasting impact. And what is an eternal lasting impact, folks? Is Jesus. Every conversation, a Jesus conversation. Every time you manage your finances, you want to make sure, is this money being used for gospel advancement? When you come to church, I want to tell you, 
You invite people to church here. I have one primary responsibility. That is to clearly communicate Jesus and how to be saved. Could you imagine inviting someone to church? Say you've been praying for them all week, all month, and they finally come to Broadway Baptist, and they come here, and the preacher doesn't preach out of this book. He doesn't teach people how to be saved. He doesn't show people this is the way that God wants us to live, how we respond to the Lord. What a missed opportunity. You should be proud that you were part of a church that's a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church that among all this shaky and unstable world we live in, in our community, and I want to tell you, our, our world is probably in the most unstable times we've ever seen, at least in our lifetime. There's so much anxiety. There's so much uncertainty. No one knows what to expect. We wake up each day and we have no clue what's going to happen. No clue what the future. Stock market could crash. World War III could break out. COVID could come back. Who knows? We have no idea. A new variant could show up. We, next week we all have masks on if you wear them. You just don't know. There's so much uncertainty. Our only stability, folks, it's in the Lord. This is it. This is our rock foundation right here. That is what we want to hold our memory to. It says, Lord, it's you. It's nothing else in this world. I don't know what the future holds. I was worried. Some of you asked me if this morning was going to get snowed out. You have no clue. Well, we got the snow blizzard. We got a blizzard next week. But folks, we say my foundation, my rock is Jesus. So wrapping this all up, say where do we go from here? What do we do? So we've looked at why did this happen? Mary, I believe, she wanted to thank Jesus because God brought her brother Lazarus back from the dead. So we obviously, anytime Jesus brings someone back from the dead, we want to thank him. I want to tell you, it might not be a physical deadness for you. It might be, think about it. Say you had a brother and he was spiritually lost. He was going to hell. He did not know Jesus. He was not saved. And you prayed and prayed and prayed. And one day he got saved. Have you thanked Jesus for that? Have you given him an offering? Have you broken your alabaster jar because God answered your prayers? That's what Mary's doing. That's the why here. Why is it in the Bible? For, why did the Lord include this? The Bible tells us we're to honor the Lord. Mary's an example of an honorable lady. Her priority, her focus was on her Savior. And her memory of honoring the Lord remains. Anytime you honor the Lord, that memory continues on. People remember gospel conversations. And where do we go from here? So what do we do? Mary teaches us that we need to have a same type of great, bold faith. She did not ask permission. She's in a stranger's house, Simon the leper, leprosy floating around, COVID's all in the air, but she was bold in her faith. She picked up her jar and broke it, and she wanted Jesus to know, I've got one chance, I'm going to honor him. Not only that, it came with a cost. That was one year's wage. Could you imagine me coming into your home and I'm saying, I'll pick on Zach on this one. Zach, I'd like for you to make an extremely large financial contribution to Broadway Baptist Church. 
And he says, well, how big are we talking? One year's salary. He'd kick me out of the house. He'd laugh. I mean, that's, it's just absurd. He said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not writing a check for my whole year's salary. Not going to happen. Beth wouldn't go for that. It's just, there's some things that would be so extravagant, you wouldn't even think about asking. And this woman did it. That's why everybody's just in awe, like, oh my, what a waste. I want to tell you, if, if, if your spouse, if you went home today and you said, honey, I'm going to give an entire year's salary to the church, your wife would look at you and go, oh, how, we've got bills, we have to buy food. I just, I don't know about that decision. They would take you to the doctor. I mean, you'd be getting medicine. They, there would be, things would be coming. People just wouldn't think you're normal. But God led Mary to do this. It, there comes a cost in doing something extravagant with the Lord. And not only that, when we do these things, we don't ask permission, things come with the cost, you're going to be rebuked. And a lot of times the rebuking comes from within. Notice who rebuked Mary. It wasn't the lost people. You know who a lot of times puts you down the most? It's church folks. It's your family. It's those you love. The disciples rebuked Mary. They got on to her, saying, you should have done that. I want to tell you, in church business, if you go out and spend too much money, you will hear from some committee that you spent too much, preacher. Zach, you can't buy that expensive stuff. There's always strings attached, no matter where you're at. But with here... This lady knew I have one chance. This man is passing through my city. He's never coming again. I'm going to show Jesus how thankful and how much I want to honor him. This morning, I'm asking you to live that way. The example, I believe God put this in here for us. We need to be like Mary where we have this overflowing, extravagant love, where we break our jar and we waste it on Him. And people mock you, people ridicule you, people give you every reason you made a wrong, you, a wrong decision, but you say, I'm doing this for my Lord. And that is all that matters. What's so powerful about this, He says, you will not always have me. She had one chance. Jesus never again came to Bethany. This was it. He came to Simon the, leper's, Simon the leper's house, and he was anointed by this woman. This morning, will you honor the Lord? might be your only chance. God has brought you here. It's no accident. This was no accident what occurred. God put it in the Bible, all four Gospels, for us to tell this story, and we remember her. How will folks in your life remember you are you going to be remembered as someone are your children or your grandchildren going to remember you as someone who prayed for them who brought them to church who told them about jesus who instructed them how to be saved how exciting is it that we serve a lord that we can come and honor him honoring god is the greatest thing we can do you want your life, I want my life to be a life that honors the Lord. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I want to tell you, in our prayer today, I'm going to include the sinner's prayer. 
And that's a prayer that you can pray and you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. You can get saved right now. And I want to tell you, anytime, then we'll close the service after that, anytime you walk down an aisle and you do it for Jesus, you're not doing it for me, you're honoring Him. Anytime you get baptized, and we have baptism coming up soon, you're honoring Him. Anytime you join this church, you're not doing it for me, you're doing it to honor Him. We respond to God. So let's bow our heads and pray. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. This is our sinner's prayer. Maybe you have never been saved. Maybe you have never trusted in Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you need to live a life that honors Him. And you can begin doing it right now. You pray along. God knows your heart. Dear Jesus, I surrender all. I want to honor you. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. From this day on, I'm devoted to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. The Bible says that is a confession of faith. You have confessed your faith in Christ. And our next step, if you've done that this morning, your next step is honoring the Lord by making it public. And the way we close our worship service here, we have a public invitation. I want to invite everyone to stand up. I stand right here. Zach Bauer, our youth pastor, stands right here. If you prayed and confessed Jesus this morning, you come take our hands and you honor the Lord. Beecher?